Hi, Bruno Jr. here. Our podcast, Busting Addiction and Smiths, is sponsored by SafeHouseRehab.com. SafeHouse believes that traditional treatments fall short of the needs of clients who face the modern problems of addiction. Modern problems need modern solutions. Multiple addictions, multiple relapses, multiple triggers, and cheaper and more powerful street drugs set up unprecedented challenges facing treatment centers. What is needed is a more sophisticated approach, a better way forward. There are three reasons to choose our progressive modern treatment program. One, a more sophisticated intake process. Two, technology proven to enhance recovery. And three, the most robust aftercare program in our sector. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com. Hi, this is Bruno J, and today I want to talk to you about crack cocaine and the difference between it and ordinary cocaine, as if there were anything ordinary about cocaine itself. Crack is usually associated with addicts who live on the streets and have just enough money for the next hit and then go on to commit petty crimes or engage in prostitution to support their habit. You might be surprised to learn, however, that crack can find its way off the streets, off the main streets, and into very respectable middle or upper class homes of even the very well well to do. I've been in AA meetings where I've heard a fellow say, When I got off the pipe, he's not talking about smoking marijuana in a pipe or a hookah. He's talking about the crack pipe. When people say the pipe, that's what they're talking about. The crack pipe, a small glass pipe that he uses to heat up crack cocaine crystals and inhale the vapor into his lungs. This is there's an immediate effect. This action causes a brief but unusually intense feeling of absolute euphoria lasting just a few minutes before it comes down hard. I never developed a taste for cocaine. And I'm so glad because a lot of cocaine users graduate to crack, if, if you want to call it a graduation, a degradation into, into, uh, into the pits of hell from which many do not recover. Why do I bring this up then in the context of a series of episodes about addiction meant for the families and friends of a loved one who's in the grip of addiction or alcoholism, alcoholism or both? Isn't crack far removed from my family, you ask? Well, there are three main reasons why crack should be considered a threat to your family. And they are as follows. One, the vast majority of crack cocaine users, we estimate about 90%, graduate from cocaine to crack because they look for an even more intense high. And I've heard that crack can give it to them. So if your loved one loves cocaine, be aware of where he or she may graduate to next. That's point number one. Point number two, the incidence of crack use is higher than you might think. A national survey of drug abuse conducted by the U.S. Department of Justice, also known as the FBI in this case, found that an estimated 6.2 million U.S. residents used crack at least once in their lifetime. And over a million persons aged 18 to 25 have used crack at least once in the past month, as they reported it at the time. That's about 19% of the over 5 million individuals who used cocaine in the last month of the reporting period in 2019. So what are the odds 
that if you're a co cocaine user, you'll graduate to at least trying crack, if not using it regularly. It's probably one in five. That's pretty high. That's too high. It's it's scary high. If the uh, number three, if the odds are one in five, as I said, that a cocaine user will graduate to crack, the user faces far more destructive consequences than if he stayed with the ironically safer choice of cocaine alone. Here's why. Serious addiction happens much more quickly when the drug, crack, cocaine, is smoked than when it is snorted, as cocaine usually is. The crack version of cocaine increases the risk of seizure and cardiac arrest and also causes more aggressive and paranoid behavior. I'm going to tell you a true story about a former police officer in Denver who was forced to resign from her job for cheating on her entrance exam to the police academy. She had actually become an outstanding officer, gaining praise and awards for the excellence of her work where she was the lone female of her rank on the force. She was shamed into resigning. She had sacrificed a lot to, a lot to get there. She took it very, very hard. And in the midst of her depression, did some coke and then discovered that crack could get her there faster and higher. The pull of crack was so strong for her, she lost her house through forfeiture and ultimately landed on the street as a crack whore. She tells the story herself. It was years before she was able to kick it for good with a few relapses thrown in. She, she says this of crack. I was hooked from the moment of my first hit. I had never imagined a high that was this intense and joyful. I was carried away from all my troubles in this earthly world and transported to my own version of heaven. Her own words. She would do anything for the next hit, including selling her body over and over. It is also true that alcoholics, those who refer to alcohol as their drug of choice, are adding other drugs to their menus, since many newer drugs are now far more available and often cheaper than ever, except for cocaine. That street price is held up for some reason. So if you have an alcoholic in your home, don't be too surprised if you detect other drugs at work, especially if he or she becomes more agitated, aggressive, or paranoid, all signs of a crack cocaine addiction. Crack cocaine is produced by dissolving powdered cocaine in a mixture of water and ammonia or sodium bicarbonate, also known as baking soda. The mixture is boiled until a solid substance forms. The solid is removed from the liquid, it's dried, and then broken into chunks or rocks that are sold as crack cocaine. It is working its way into high schools today, no longer confined to the streets, just as heroin is fueling overdose deaths among teenagers up and down the socioeconomic ladder. According to a 2021 report by the U.S. Justice Department, read again the FBI, nearly 4% of high school seniors in the U.S. use crack cocaine at least once in their lifetime, and more than 1% use the drug in the last month. Given that there will be 3.7 million seniors graduating in 2021, or have graduated in 2021, the 4% number comes to 148,000 seniors alone who have tried it at least once, and one could easily double the number to 300,000 high schoolers who have tried crack at least once. That's a scary number. You know, and it's an early... They're just developing their brains at this point. Now they're dosing it with crack cocaine. This is not a good sign. There are many high schools in the cities and near suburbs where the dealers of any number of drugs, including crack, hang around just off-school property and ply their trade openly. 
Their lookouts are 14-year-old boys who alert the dealers when they see the cops approaching. It's true. I've seen it. These same kids are being trained to become dealers when they get to be a bit older, say 18. So now you're 18 years old and you're a dealer. And chances are you're going to die. You know, within five years you're dead or you're in jail. Crack users are a subculture in their own right, and they have their own vocabulary. There are at least 35 different street terms to <laughs> in use to describe crack. Among them, this is just for, you know, crack, when I talk about crack users have their own vocabulary and their own subculture. This is true. There, there's, a, there's, just a vo, there's just a way of talking, expressing yourself, using these terms, knowing when a deal is coming down, knowing, you know, who's coming down the street. It's a, it's a subculture with its own means of communication. Here's, here's a few of the street terms for crack. 24-7 is one of them, right? People are up 24-7, either high or looking for it. Bad rock, candy, devil drug, there's, there it is. Dice, grit, hardball, hard rock, jelly beans, primetime, rock, and tornado. Oh, the one that really throws me is called French fries. So here's a question. A guy's walking down the street, approaches a dealer. A dealer doesn't really trust him too much, never seen him before. He might think he's a cop. And the guy says, hey, to the dealer, how about a bag of French fries? And the dealer says, why don't you just go to the McDonald's over there? Well, they are wary. They are wary. And you, to some extent, you have to be vetted before you go there. There are two ways of doing this. One is you drive into the into the hood and you and you make a quick deal for crack, and then next time the guy sees you and you're in your car and he'll come up to you. You know, so the first intro where he trusts you not to be a cop because very wary, very wary, and then you can deal. And you just do it through the car window. I've done it, but not not with crack. I've done it with marijuana. And uh, I bought cocaine for, for, for other people. This is true. I didn't do it. So I know the game. I know what it's like to drive your nice car down into the hood and get some dope. But here's the thing. It's these, these dealers, the guys that uh, are uh, more aggressive and maybe can dress a little bit better, it's true. They're mostly black, not always. They might be uh, Latino. Occasionally they're white. And they'll go up and, and hang around the high schools. And there's a lot of action because the kids in the nicer neighborhoods, they have a lot of money. They drive, they drive nice cars. There are a lot of kids in high school drive BMW convertibles. What's the big deal here? You know, an extra hundred bucks in your pocket and you've got five bags of rock. Well, there it is. Crack is well known to destroy personalities in a short time. We know many stories that illustrate the case. There's a story of a 50-year-old heroin addict he used heroin every day but held down a janitorial job at the local middle school. He would inject heroin after work, and he would stay high on the weekend. He had a regular dealer with whom he made friends and maintained that relationship with his dealer for over a dozen years. He started to use crack, and his life fell apart in just a few months. Fired from his job for not showing up, he could no longer afford his modest apartment in Queens. Happens to be in New York. He was forced to live on the street, stealing whatever he could to satisfy his overwhelming craving for more. A similar story is told of an occasional cocaine user, a professional woman, with a high-stress job in advertising where coke and good wine are a staple at parties. She says later that it only took her one evening of smoking crack to throw everything away, 
just for the intense, unimaginably wonderful high, as she puts it. I can't underline enough the simple and stark fact that crack cocaine is probably the most dangerous street drug out there, save possibly for fentanyl, which I'll do a separate episode on, a synthetic opiate that's a hundred times more potent than heroin. Crack is clearly insidious. It's working its way from the downtrodden streets of cities to nicer neighborhoods where we think our children are safe. But they're not safe everywhere. Crack has another prejudice attached to it, in that white parents associate crack with poor black people as a way for white people to believe that it can't happen here. This kind of denial can kill, as it blinds middle-class white folks into believing the problem exists only elsewhere. This is very true in the USA today. The fact is that crack is closer than you think. I'll close with a story from one of the fellows whom I sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous. This is what he said to me just the other day. He says, Bruno, I remember one time we had an open AANA meeting. Open meetings are held just uh, for your information. Open meetings are held to educate the public about AA and other 12-step programs. So anyone is welcome. And uh, former crackheads are invited to share their stories in these meetings, whether, whether they're recovering or not. This was a bigger meeting at the Lighthouse Center with maybe 60 people there, like moms, teenagers, friends, and so on. While this is going on in the main room, there are crackheads selling bags of crack for 10 bucks just outside the doors of the meeting space. That's as close as it can get, just outside a meeting, which is about putting down the pipe and getting clean and sober. So what have we learned about crack cocaine? We've learned that, one, it's extremely addictive, far more than is cocaine alone. For some users, one hit of crack got them hopelessly addicted. Two, crack addiction destroys the judgment of individual users very quickly and can destroy a life in a matter of a few months. Crack addicts are dominated by their craving for the drug to the point of selling everything of value, giving it away, selling it, dealing for it, and, and, never, and never getting it back. Never getting it back. Three, crack is closer than you think, as it is more easily available outside the typical poor parts of town, and now it's made its way into the middle-class schools in nicer parts of your hometown. So don't think it's somebody else's problem. Four, denial of the existence of addiction in the family is very common. So whether it's uh, cocaine or alcoholism, in the early stages of addiction in the family, in the family context, there's a lot of denial. You know, until things get so bad, you can't deny it anymore. It's incumbent on caring family members to be alert to the signs of of crack invasion into the home. Symptoms include unusual agitation, unusually high levels of outbursts and aggressiveness, and paranoia. These are all symptoms of intense addiction to crack cocaine. And even cocaine itself, if used, you know, excessively, I'm not sure what that means. Maybe 24-7. Um, it'll give you paranoia. I remember the few times I, try, I tried cocaine back in the day, 30 years ago or more. Um, I got paranoid the next day. It's like, oh, I guess this is what paranoia is about. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's not fun being an addict. You know, you're compelled to do things that you would ordinarily never choose to do. Number five, recovery from crack is a special challenge due to the intense craving for it. Recovery is only possible with the embrace of the truth and a genuine desire to get well. 
you know, I want to talk a little bit about this intense desire. It is so overwhelming. And the reports of it, sometimes it becomes overwhelming after the first hit. There's no other drug that I know, reportedly, no other drug I know that does that. Maybe fentanyl. Maybe fentanyl. You know, I'll do another, I'll do another uh, episode on fentanyl alone. Heroin and fentanyl. So anyway, here it is. Recovery is only possible with the embrace of the truth and a genuine desire to get well. And it has to be a surrender to the truth. And it has to be, please help me. You know, I'm willing to do anything to get better. That's over and over and over again. That's the story that is being told. Our podcast is sponsored by SafeHouseRehab.com, a modern approach to recovery. To learn more, visit us at SafeHouseRehab.com.